Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Everyone stand up with me this morning. This morning, we're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're going to enter into his courts with praise. We're going to give thanks to him this morning and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Hallelujah. He is good this morning. Hallelujah. And he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. And we're just going to, it's wonder. we're going to celebrate. We're gonna, I don't even know what the song list is, but I'm hoping that maybe there's a little bit of a celebration song. Is there a celebration yeah, song? Yeah, there is. <clears throat> Come on, girl. You know, I want it all. I want like the full course meal. Every week there's like this theme in me. You know, I want, I want the celebration. I want the, the awe and the gratitude. I want the pouring out of my heart. I want him to meet me. It's like a buffet of his presence, and I want it all Amen. this morning. Amen. So. Amen. I'm going to do a call to worship uh, out of Exodus 15. It's called the Song of Moses. And I'm just going to read it to you and just listen to it as I, as I say it. And I'm going to just share something with you then after I read it. <clears throat> Exodus 15 says this, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphant gloriously the house, the horse, and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord shall reign forever. And ever. Come on, church, say it with me. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. We're going to open up with a new song this morning. We haven't done it here before, but I challenged the worship team. I was thinking about, you guys remember the song, uh, Look What the Lord Has Done? You remember that? Look what the Lord has done. And I was just, that song was just resonating with me. I was like, man, we should do that song. And they're like, no, we shouldn't. But we've got a, a song that's new and it's awesome. It's by, I think, Maverick City worship. This is a great song. It's called I Thank God. And we're going to worship and we're going to dance. So I just invite kids. If you want to dance today, I've just been feeling generation. Kids, 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 kids. So kids, if you want to dance today, come up here for this, for this first song. Dance in your seat with your mom and dad. Dance in the aisles. Let's just worship him. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. And we thank you for who you are. For what you've done, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. As we come to the communion table this morning, I just feel the Lord saying, he was reminding me of something I said to Jason, and it was something that the Lord had said to me. Whatever you say is your number one, two, and three priority in your life. If you're not living like it's your number one, two, and three priority in your life, there's no peace. There never will be peace. So if we say that Jesus is our everything, if we say that he is our number one, but we are living in our own power and our own strength, feeling safe and secure in our own abilities and our own finances and our own goodness, 
we're never going to know the peace that he has for us. We're never going to really know his love. If we say that our family or that our marriage is our number two thing, just right under Jesus, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, and then my marriage, and then my kids, but you're working a 90-hour work week, you know, to pay for your fourth vacation or whatever. I mean, I'm not knocking whatever, but I'm saying that there's no peace. So this morning, as we come to the communion table, I just invite you to spend just a few minutes with the Lord asking him for that divine impartation of grace to strengthen us with the resolve to let our yes be yeses in line with what we say our priorities are and let our no's be no to hold back those things that would steal from us, even the good things, even the good things. As you come to the, to the Lord's table this morning, you're going to come straight down. The, the communion elements on the plate in the center are gluten-free. Um, so if you are gluten-free, those are for you. Um, if you're a guest here, the, the cups are stacked. So the bread is in the bottom cup and then the juice cup is on top. So you just pick up one. Um, and you can come to the table and, and take your elements back to your seats and hold on to them because we're going to take communion together. And we're just going to come before the Lord this morning. We're going to remember Jesus. That's what communion is. We're going to remember Jesus. And we are going to enthrone him as our number one. And we're going to ask him to strengthen us this morning to let our walk match our talk. Okay? I need that prayer. We all need that prayer. Let our walk match our talk this morning, Lord God. Come and energize our walk with Jesus. Open our blind eyes. Open our stopped ears. And un, unglue our voice that it all comes into agreement with your word this morning, God. Father, we enthrone you this morning over our marriages. God, we choose to love because you chose to love us. We choose to forgive and release one another from unfair expectations this morning. Not just in our marriages, actually. In every relationship, Father, we choose to release others from unrighteous expectations. They cannot be perfect. They cannot fill us and fulfill everything we need. And we release them and we choose to love this morning as we come to the table. We choose to love this morning as we come to the table. God, by only by divine impartation of grace, can these things be done in the name of Jesus. Come, come up and, and get your elements and let's remember Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. As, as Pastor Liz was talking about eyes being opened and reflecting, may our walk equal our talk. I was reminded of the scripture in Luke 24. This is Jesus after he 
defeated death and rose from the grave. He's not yet ascended to heaven. He's walking with some disciples along the road, and they don't recognize him. They don't see that he is number one. They don't see that he is who he actually was. And and it was when they took bread and when he blessed it and he broke it, their eyes were opened. Listen to this. It says, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And what I believe the Lord wants to show us today is to know his love. That our eyes would be open, that when we take communion today, that we would have a greater understanding of his love for us. And when we capture that, when we get that understanding, when that just begins to resonate on the inside, that divine impartation of grace, his love for us, his sacrifice for us. When we see that and we recognize that, and it's revealed to us, and we reflect on that, it's almost natural then that our talk and our walk align together. Just take a moment and just reflect on his love for us. That divine grace, the sacrifice, the resurrection, the ascension. See him now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Father, Lord, I just pray that our eyes would be opened this morning as we take these elements, that our eyes would be opened, that our ears would be opened, that our hearts would be opened to receive that grace and to receive your love this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. We had given thanks, he broke, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Will you stand with me as we're going to continue to worship? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Lord, open our eyes to a greater extent to see you more clearly today. 
Move and work in us, Lord. And Lord, our prayer is that we don't leave here the same as when we walked in. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, stand with me in worship. The altars are open if you want to come forward. Okay, the Lord's got some stuff to say. Before Pastor Andy even began to talk about that, um, the Holy Spirit began showing me something that goes right along with that um, about love. We were all born to parents. Every single person here was born to a set of parents. And what the Holy Spirit showed me, um, and anyone who gets pictures or sees things knows, it's hard to describe them because there's so much being communicated that it takes so many more words than what to, to say it than what you've seen. But what he showed me was that a parent's job is to prepare their children to be loved by God. And um, if you know anything about love languages, they talk about a love tank. You know, do you, how, how do you get your love tank filled? So, you know, there's this visual that we all have like this tank inside and we all receive love. And if you were born into a home that was broken and messy and unhealthy, um, where parents are supposed to be kind of, I saw in my mind, I saw like parents pushing together pieces of the tank, pieces of the love tank, and putting it together bit by bit. If you were born in a home where that's not what happened, it's like as parents we have the ability to put together this love tank and begin to fill it. And we're teaching them about the goodness of God. We're teaching them about the faithfulness of God. We're teaching them about the love of God in our own imperfect way. And then he comes in and their hearts turn to him fully because he is just like all of those good things in perfection. But as parents, we also have the ability to, to just smash the love tank. Like, and so then you, you produce this adult that never feels loved. No matter how much love is poured on them, there's no sides, there's no holding, there's no bottom. And so they feel the love as it's being poured out, but it doesn't ever, that feeling doesn't stay. And so they struggle so much to know the love of God. They know it in moments, but they can't carry it with them for any kind of lasting comfort or any kind of lasting transformation any kind of lasting trust and relationship. And that's where you see a lot of Christians get into striving. And they know there's something wrong. They, they, they understand they should feel loved. Of course God loves me. This has been a theme all morning in every conversation I've had. I want to encourage you this morning that God is the builder of the tank. He brings together the broken pieces. And there is no other way to put the bottom on there's no other, there's nothing. There's, there's no other solution but salvation in Christ Jesus. And if you know him, but what I said just speaks to you, and it's just like, of course you know his love and you feel his love in certain situations. I feel his love in worship. I could just worship all day long. But it's hard, if, if you're that person, it's hard to carry it with you. Know that in him, it, he is love. And so he brings together the pieces of your love tank, and he puts it together in such a way that he brings us into wholeness. 
and that believing you're loved comes before feeling that you're loved. You will never carry the feeling of being loved until you believe that it's true. And it is true because the word says it's true. And you need to tell yourself every day, just had this conversation with somebody because I've had this conversation with myself. You need to say it out loud. Today's gonna be a great day because I am loved. I say it every day, at least three times a day. Every time an alarm goes off on my phone for something else, every time I hit the snooze button, I say, today's gonna be a great day because I'm loved. Or I hit the stop button, whatever. Today's gonna be a great day because I am loved. Doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter if I yell at the kids. Doesn't matter if I kick the husband. That's always my example. I've never actually kicked him. That's not true. Sometimes I push you off the bed. But you're laughing and I'm laughing and it's funny. Um, But it doesn't matter what I do. That statement is true. And I began to tell myself that. And my, my broken cup got a bottom within days of starting this, this, this habit. Within days of doing this, my life began to change. And I had been working on change in this area. I've read, I mean, I read books. I read the word. I'm saying the confessions. I'm believing the word or trying to believe the word. But when I began just saying it, today's going to be a great day because I am loved. It's a statement, and I'm talking to my own self. I mean, I guess the devil was listening. I don't really care. He's not really the most important factor for me. Uh, My own heart and the heart of the Father is what I'm always wanting to bring into line. So be encouraged this morning that the Father loves you and that he's pouring his love out upon you, whether you feel it or whether you don't feel it. It's there. It's there. We get caught up in, I should be farther along by now. I thought I dealt with this already. Oh my goodness, I'm X number of years old. I cannot believe. I'm 45 years old. I cannot believe that I have to wake up every day and tell myself that I'm loved. Come on. I, but I have no pride, y'all. I need to tell myself that I'm loved. Y'all need to tell yourself that you're loved. And if this is something you struggle with, you need to tell yourself that you're loved out loud every day. And it will not be long before your own heart begins to trust the words that are coming out of your mouth. And we all know that that's true. The words that come out of our mouth, our heart will believe them and our beliefs will align with those words and we will begin to live what we believe and what we say. So be encouraged this morning, church. God has made a way for your love tank to be strong and to be filled no matter how it started. No matter how it began, he is love. And I love what Pastor Andy said because his response of, I love you, is almost like a pushback. Is that what you, I mean, it's almost like God says, I love you. And she's like, yes, I love you. And it's almost, we're almost uncomfortable just receiving, which is why the word says, be still and know that I'm God. It's so hard to receive love when our tank is in pieces and when our actions don't line up with our heart, because you know sometimes they don't, our heart is to please God, but sometimes we just respond and react in ways you're just like, why do I do that? I encourage you to let his love just sit on you. I'm so bad at this, just being honest. Just to let his love sit on you and just to rest in it and to be still and receive it.
and to receive it. I just want to close out with this scripture here out of Romans 8. And the title of this kind of passage is God's Everlasting Love. It says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who loved us. We're not conquerors because we love him. We're conquerors because he loves us. For I am persuaded. I'm more persuaded this morning than I was when I woke up. I don't know if you're more persuaded this morning that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for your love. And we receive it. And we say thank you. And we rest in it. We abide in it. We bathe in it. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. In your precious name. Amen. If this is your first time worshiping with us, I always kind of look out and see, do I see anyone I don't know? I don't feel like I do this morning, but if, you, if this is your first time worshiping with us, we welcome you. Um, on the back of the seats, there's a connection card where you can put your name and your email and that you're a first timer, and that just lets us know that you were here. We send out an email saying welcome and just kind of directing you to our website and how to connect with us if you need anything or have any questions or anything like that. That connection card gets filled out, and it goes in one of the offering buckets, which are up here during the break. We take a break and talk to one another. Oh, cringe. All the introverts say, ugh. But we do it because it's a spiritual discipline of fellowshipping. Yeah? And it's the, it's the high calling to encourage one another and to be a family, whether we like it or not. Right? Some days I like being a part of my family, and other days I hide in my room with the door closed. Um, again, gosh, I'm so honest up here with this microphone. Too honest, maybe. Um, okay, where was I? Uh, we take this time to encourage one another to be a family. Um, we take this time to bring our tithes and offerings up to the Lord, to be cheerful givers into the work of the kingdom. Uh, Pastor Jason's preaching on giving, and last week his message, I don't know, I just think his messages are so phenomenal every week. I know I should think that I'm biased, but I'm like really an honest person. If it was, if he was a, if he like preached a stinker, I would be the first one to tell him. Only I'd wait till Monday morning because that's just a courtesy that you give to pastors. Um, I just think his preaching is phenomenal. I look forward every week to hearing what he's going to share because I know that he's faithful to just sit with the Lord and that the Lord crafts these messages. I'm telling you, I wasn't planning on saying any of this, but I've been married to this man for 23 years. I didn't marry a preacher. I married an engineer. I married, I mean, I didn't even marry really a worshiper. And I've watched as God has changed him into a worshiper, into a prayer warrior. I mean, even when it's raining out, this guy goes for a prayer walk. It's crazy. I'm like, bring me coffee. I can pray in the coziness of my bed. Um, so, oh, all that was to say that we bring and we give cheerfully. And do you know that when you give, you're giving to God. 
And Jason and I have had this conversation. You want to vet the ministries that you're supporting, right? You want to make sure they're quality ministries, but you can't see into men's hearts. You don't know if that if every penny of that money is going to be used exactly in the wisest, best way, because it's, it's imperfect people that are leading with eyes on Jesus, right? So one time I told him, I was like, oh, there was a ministry and something was not awesome. And I was like, I'm so glad we didn't give to that ministry. And the Lord kind of rebuked me. and was just like, you're not ever giving to a ministry. You're giving to the kingdom. And even when it seems like a ministry is just like, I don't know, I just released a whole level of trust and a whole level of release in my giving that I didn't hold on. Once I gave, I trusted God, even when my eyes or my, my reasons, well, I don't like some of the decisions that ministry's making. Well, then go to God, right? And talk to him about it. But I did. And he was just like, you trust me. You trust me. It's just my money. You're just releasing it into the kingdom. I decide. I man- he's, the, he's the manager of it, right? We aren't the managers of it. Although, praise God, your elder board prays. We pray. Um, We put Jesus at the head of the table. This is awesome. I'm just going to, this is awesome. We're in an elder meeting and we're praying. And Jason always sits at the head of the table. And I always sit on the right side. And Andy always sits on the other side. And we pray and we talk and we talk through the things. We pray. And then one day we're just praying. And Jason was walking and praying. And I just was like, I just knew what I had to do. And I slid my stuff over and I slid Jason's stuff over. And we have this sign that says God has a plan. And we put it at the head of the table. And I was just like, from now on, this meeting, he leads and we sit on the sides. He's at the head. And it was so cool. So church, you can know that Erie Christian Fellowship, Jesus is at the head. He is at the head. It's his, it's his meeting. Okay. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to bring up our tithes and offerings. Um, if you have kids, Kid Corner will be open. Let's greet one another and come back for the awesome word that Jason, Pastor Jason has for us on giving. All right, church. All right, if you guys could find your seats. I know uh, my wife is passing out some tickets, so if she didn't get around to you yet, there's little orange tickets that are coming around. If you want to make sure you grab one of those, some of my kids might have them as well. They're a sermon illustration. We are not taking a drawing later on to win a prize. No, no, I'm not giving away my football, even though that's probably what you all wanted for the tickets. I'm not calling out a number. No one's getting my football. I just have one quick announcement, uh, an important one, uh, but an announcement for this morning, and it's in regard to our life groups that we have. If, Glenn, you want to pull that slide up for us. Uh, we just, you know, one of the spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about here in the future, and it's on our chart during the message series, and it's fellowship breaking bread together, being with each other, relationships with each other. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, if you are not linked in to any one of these groups, that you just maybe take a picture, they're on our website, uh, so you can go check them out there, or take a picture of this, and make sure you get plugged in in one of these groups. It's important for us from a relationship standpoint. Church is more than Sunday morning. How many know that? Church is more than Sunday morning. I know the men's group met yesterday, and they're working through, uh, they're working through spiritual disciplines. Actually, actually, the giftings that uh, people have, and they're doing a spiritual gift assessment 
uh, which I took, by the way, 108 questions. Uh, I took that gift assessment. It came out what I thought it would. Uh, <clears throat> but there's a lot of great things that you can connect in with different groups. I know the Young Adults group is meeting this Tuesday, uh, and they're doing a study as well. So there's just, I encourage you guys, fellowship is such an important part of the church family that we don't want to miss out on that wonderful aspect of it because it's more than just on, on a Sunday morning. Uh, the offering scripture I have for this morning is out of Romans 11. Romans 11, 16. And when I read this verse, it really just gets to me because I feel like it's, it's this life application verse that I'm going to talk about in regards to finances, but really applies to every area of our life. It applies to every area of our life. And I'm just going to read it. It says, for if the first fruit is holy. So the first part, the first part of it, and the Bible talks, we're going to talk about giving again today, and talks about the tithe. It's the first fruit. It's the first part of our giving. It's the first thing that we get. It's the first part of our day, of our time, of our thoughts, of our attention, of our relationships. When that is holy, when we dedicate that to the Lord, when we say, Lord, take this, take this first part of this, take this first part of my life, take this first part of our finances, it says, it says the lump is also holy, it means the rest of it. it, means the rest of it, it means this 10%, this tie, this, this, ten, this bit that I give to the Lord, because he gave me the whole lump in the first place, a lump is in a good sense in this case. We know there are bad lumps, and we tell those to go in the name of Jesus. But in this case, he's saying, look, when you honor me with the first part, it actually consecrates and makes holy all the rest of it. So when that 10%, and we give from a tithe perspective, it actually consecrates the rest of the 90%. And when we say it's, I don't understand how 90% goes further than 100%, this is how. This is how. Because the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So let's pray over the offering and over the message today, which is tied to this from a giving perspective. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver. I thank you, Lord, that you do sit in the first chair of this ministry, Lord, and you direct by your Holy Spirit finances and vision and direction and decisions, and we give all that to you, Lord. And I just pray that each person here, each family, as well, honors you, Father God, and just says, have your way in my life. Have your way in my finances. And Father, I thank you for overflow in 2022 in every area of our life, Father God. Overflow in our relationship with you, first and foremost. And Lord, as we look into your word today, Lord, just open our eyes and open our ears to learn from you today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We are continuing our series. It's called Awakening, but really what we're talking about is spiritual disciplines. And I picked this portion of scripture to talk about spiritual disciplines. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines <clears throat> that are shown in the Bible, but this one has nearly all of them wrapped up right in a couple passages of scripture. And at the same time, it's talking about the church. It's talking about the early church. And we've said over and over and over, when we read this passage of scripture, I want us to envision us 
as a church family, as Erie Christian Fellowship Church, as people who are in the pews, who are people who are leading, who are people who are in small groups and giving, all that. Picture yourself in this passage of Scripture. Just picture yourself in this passage of Scripture. Here we go. Verse 42, Acts 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together. They had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Glenn, if you want to pull up that chart. So these are the spiritual disciplines that are found in this passage of Scripture. We've been walking through them. We talked about prayer. Actually, at the end of last year, really, we talked about studying the Word of God. You guys remember the series on the Word of God? And then we talked about prayer, and now we're talking about giving. And I'm excited because next week, Pastor Andy is going to do a message series, a two-week message series on worship. And what worship is and what it really means and what does the Bible say about worship. So I'm excited. I'm going to be here. So we're going to be able to hear Pastor Andy. He's a great teacher. Uh, We're excited and looking forward to that. But we're going to wrap up giving today. We're going to talk about giving. And each time I do this, I like to use an analogy. I think I used the bench press guy. You guys remember the bench press guy? I did that when I talked about baking the cake. And these spiritual disciplines, when they all are working together bring about a healthy Christian life. And this morning, the analogy I want to use, if you you notice, there's a circle around that. And how many of you know that in life there's pressure? There's pressure in life. And here's what I have found, is the more we add into this circle, the more we are looking to do each and every one of these in some way in our life, adding little by little, this is a marathon, not a sprint, as we add, as we give more from our time and our efforts, as we study the word of God more, as we worship more, as we serve more, as we break bread together more, as we do these things, the pressure, basically the inside of the circle, gets full. And when that inside of the circle is full, when pressure comes from the outside, two things happen. One, it takes more pressure from the outside to break into the circle. Church, think about that. You say, well, I just like to read my Bible. I like to do any of these other things. Yeah, well, that's just one part of the circle. But if we look to grow in every aspect of these spiritual disciplines, as that pressure comes, you actually are adding into that circle and making it harder for the pressure to come. And here's what happens, is when that pressure does come and it is beginning to squeeze, guess what comes out? Come on. Guess what comes out? It's like putting a tea bag in the hot water. We've talked about that, right? When the hot water hits the tea bag, whatever's in the tea bag is coming out. Amen. Whatever's in that tea bag is coming out, right? That's what hot water does. And you don't know sometimes what type of tea it is until the hot water gets on it. And sometimes in life we walk around and we don't know really what's going on on the inside until the hot water hits. And then things start seeping out of us. 
But when we're looking at these spiritual disciplines and we're making these a priority in our life and we're building ourselves up in the word and in worship and prayer, when the pressure comes and we get squeezed, the thing that begins to come out is Jesus. These are the things that begin to come out. We immediately start praying, not Googling when a problem comes up. Yeah, come on. The pressure comes, and if you've been living a life of prayer and breaking bread together, you know what happens? You call someone to pray with you when an issue comes up. You don't Google, what is that lump under my armpit? You do that after you pray, if you want. When the pressure comes and you're living a life and growing in worship, the first thing that happens when pressure starts to come, you start to worship. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, you are good. Yes, Lord, I thank you. And so when you are missing any of these spiritual disciplines in your life, and I know we're all on a journey, some of us are way on this side, some of us are on this, and each one, I'm on different levels within these spiritual disciplines. But when that pressure comes and the hot water comes, this is the stuff I want seeping out. I want to turn to prayer first. I want to turn to worship. I want to turn to the word of God. I want to turn to a brother or a sister in Christ. I want to sit down and break bread together with someone. You know what? Lord, you're coming. I mean, you know, Lord, have your way in my life. This pressure comes. You know what? The enemy starts putting pressure on giving. You lose a job. You know what, Lord? I'm going to give some more. Come on, that's the opposite of what you would think you should go do. But you would say, this is what comes out. Lord, I'm a giver. I'm blessed as a giver. It's pressed down, shaken together, and it's overflowing. And so when the pressure comes, you know what? I'm going to give some more. I don't have any time. I'm going to serve some more. And this is why we're looking at these spirits, because I believe it's so important. Because how many of you know there are tribulations, there are trials? There are pressure. There is hot water. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody in hot water right now? Come on. You're feeling that hot water all around. You're like, man, what's coming out? And sometimes we can, it's pretty easy to see what's coming out sometimes. Yeah? It's not always what the Lord wants coming out. So this is why we want to talk about these because I believe they're so important. So last week we looked at why do we give? Why do we give? I'm not going to go through that again. You can listen to it if you want. But this morning I want to talk about what do we give? What do we give? I hope that you were convinced last week on the why to give for his kingdom, for his kingdom's expansion because he told us to, because he loves us, because he first gave. All those things is why we give. But what do we give? And there's four things this morning that we give. They all start with a T. You're welcome. Help you remember them. Of course, you have a ticket, which also starts with a T, although that's not one of them. But it, that ticket, and you'll see in a minute here, it's a reminder of, of one of these to help us learn this. So the first thing we give is we give our tithe. This is one of the T's. They're not in order of importance. They're not to say that, oh, well, he thinks this one's more important than the other one's. They're just in a random order, and this is the first one that I, that I wanted to talk about. We give our tithe. What is our tithe? Our tithe is, by definition, is the first 10% of our income. We, we have a church, by the grace of God, and Pastor Jim and Pam and their foundational teaching, this is, we are our tithing church. This is a church I know many of you tithe. 
But by the end of the day today, I want to show you why it's important that all of you tithe. Why all of you tithe and the testimonies that come from it, not so we can meet payroll, not so we can pay the utility bills. You tithe because God said to do it and there's a blessing in it when you do it. You guys need to understand that the tithe was established before the law. So those who say, well, that was part of the law. No, it was established before the law. Look at Genesis 14, verse 18. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And it says then that Abram, he gave him a tithe of all. Abraham was before Moses. So what this is telling us is that God has established us to be givers of a tithe long before the law was there. And if you look in the New Testament, there's nowhere where, where Jesus or any or Paul or any of the disciples who wrote the book got given away with the tithe. It didn't pass away. It's still there. And in fact, I would challenge you. I've talked to many people about this, about, about finances and giving. And the first thing, if you are having financial challenges in your life, the first thing I will ask you is, do you tithe? Do you tithe? It's a spiritual discipline. It's a principle that God has set up. And if you violate that, it's telling me, and it should be telling you, that you are not trusting God with your finances. You say, but, but I did the math and the budget doesn't work. No, the budget doesn't work because you're not doing the math correctly. The first 10% needs to be set aside for the Lord. This is his, this is, he tells us to do this. And we have seen in our life over and over from the very day we were married, we committed. The day we were married, we committed. We will tithe. The first 10%, no matter what. And the Lord has blessed us over and over and over again. For those who know our story, we left, I left GE, a very high, lucrative, paying job to come help at the church whether they paid me or not. And you're just like, what? I think, I think maybe uh, Liz's mom said, why do you want to have financial hardship? Yeah, why do you want to suffer was the word. Why do you want to, I'm not going to suffer. I'm doing what the Lord said. I'm obeying what he has told us to go do and he's going to take care of it. My finances are in his hands, not in my own. I'm not going to try to manipulate them or work on them in any certain way, or I'll see what's left at the end, and then we'll see if I can tithe. No, the Lord says, the first fruit. It's the first 10%, not the last of whatever's left. It's the first 10%. It's how we have to live when it comes to giving in our finances. The second thing I've challenged people with they say, well, I, I don't believe, I don't see anywhere in the New Testament about tithing. Jesus does talk about giving 10% of the spices and stuff when he's talking to some of the Pharisees. But let me ask you this. Get on your knees before the Lord. Come on, I challenge you in this. Get on your knees before the Lord and pray sincerely and wait for an answer and see if he tells you to give less than 10%. 
yeah, it's a challenge. Because every time I've done that, the number is more than 10%. And everyone who I've talked to, it's more than 10%. He's like, yeah, 10% is the baseline. He can't go against his word, which means he's not going to tell you less than 10% because he can't go against it. It's his word. It's the first 10%. And he always challenges us then to give above and beyond that because he knows where our heart is. The Lord is more interested in our heart than our money. Come on, church. The Lord is more interested in our heart than our money. He's got all the cattle on a thousand hills, whatever. He doesn't need it. What he wants is your heart. What he wants is your trust. And when we do that, the Bible promises an overflow that comes from it. In Malachi 3, it says this. We looked at this scripture a couple weeks ago. It says, will a man rob God? Verse 8, yet you, ro you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have I robbed you? This is, this is some big words. In your tithes and in your offerings. <laughs> like if that's not a wake-up call for us, I don't know what is. I don't want to be robbing God. And then it says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then the command says, then bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And look at this, and try me now in this. Try them. Test them out in it. We have lived 23 years married life, and you were doing this even before we were married. God has proven faithful over and over and over and over and over again. I know many of you guys have amazing testimonies from tithes. So it says, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will be not enough room, not enough room enough to receive it. So much overflow when we trust in him for our finances. So I challenge us today. I challenge every one of us today to reflect back and think about, all right, Lord, do I truly trust you in my finances or not? And I can guarantee you that 90% goes further than 100%. It just does. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to do the math. Pastor Liz said I was an engineer. Yes, I'm an engineer. Yes, I like numbers. Yes, I can do numbers quickly. I can estimate things. But what I cannot do, and only God can do, is make 90% go further than 100%. And that's what he does. We give because he gave first. Amen? Number two, we give our time. We give our time. The Lord has challenged uh, me with this in the past, and I want to challenge you here this morning. You each have a ticket in your hand. You should have a little orange ticket. You can take that with you. Again, there's no drawing. You're not going to win anything at the end. But I want you to take, put it in your wallet reminding you of this entire message on giving. But also think of that ticket as you get 24 tickets per day. That's it. 24 tickets, one per hour. You get 24 tickets in a day. How will you use them? How will you use them? The Bible talks about the days are evil. Turn with me to Ephesians 5. And if you think you say, well, Pastor Jason, I got to sleep, I got to eat, I got to shower and get dressed, 
I got to go to work, then I got to drive home, and then I don't really have a whole lot of time, and maybe I can fit in some devotions, maybe if I don't have... How are we using our time? Take a minute and reflect. How are you using your time? Because the last time I checked, the average American and the average churchgoer watches a whole lot of TV per day, a whole lot of social media, a whole lot of YouTube, a whole lot of Netflix, a whole lot of a whole lot of. And so we can't say, look, I have no time to do certain things in our life. We do have time to give. And in fact, what I want you to think about as you look at that ticket throughout the days and the weeks is every hour that we have is an opportunity to give. We give it to our work. Are you working with all of your heart? Are you working as unto the Lord? When we come home at night, we are giving to our family, washing the dishes, changing the diapers, doing the baths, whatever it is that you do when you're at home. These are some of the things that I do. I don't change diapers anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> God is so faithful. I, we had changed diapers for, what, 18 straight years, something ridiculous. You don't even want to do the estimated count. I could probably do it for you with my estimating skills. It's a lot of diapers. Why am I talking about diapers? Uh, 65,000 diapers or something like that. That's a lot of diapers. But every hour that we have is an opportunity. And look here, let's Ephesians 5. How do we use this time? How do we give this time? Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, which is carefully. So that means as you're walking, you're carefully. Look, Lord, what do you want? Lord, what do you want? I'm going to the store to do something, but Lord, is there somebody at the store I'm supposed to talk to? Is there somebody, Lord, that you have put, you know, I have like an hour, maybe I'm going to watch a Netflix show. How about ask him first before you turn it on? He may say, sure, watch it. Relax a little bit. Fine. He may say, hey, there's somebody I want you to talk to. Call such and such a person. Text somebody with an encouraging word. I'm not telling you you've got to give 20 of your 24 hours a day but what I am saying is every hour that you have is an opportunity. Every hour is a gift. Our finances that God has given is a gift. Time is a gift. We don't know how long we have on this earth. It's a gift that we have to steward. And I want to give it as the Lord commands us to give it. So it says, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Which means if we don't proactively decide what to do with that ticket, before that hour comes, before it's up, the days are evil, which means the enemy and the evil one will find distractions for us to use that ticket. And we'll sit there and be like, what happened today? I have no idea what I did. Because a lot of times we get distracted by the enemy because the Lord says the days are evil. We have to intentionally, circumspectly, carefully redeem every hour that we get. You say, well, I got to work. That's okay. Then work. But we have to understand we are giving of our time. So how do we, what does this look like? Verse 17, therefore don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So how do we give our time? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Ask him, Lord, I have an hour. Lord, what is your will for this hour? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live it? I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us constantly if we're listening. Verse 18, and don't be drunk with wine which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Our time, as we're beginning to pray in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit, do you know that an hour, when we are, I'm telling you, when we are filled with the Spirit 
and we are living as God, and we are doing what God has told us to go do for that hour, that hour is a blessing to us. You might be blessing somebody else, but the hour actually is a blessing to you as well. Because we looked last week, it's better to give than it is to receive. Verse 19, well, how should I spend this time that I have? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart. Worshiping him, building others up. Do you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue, church. Parents. Look, I have an I have a example this week and where it's not a good example. Our sweet Noelle, who's actually not in here, it's her birthday today. So happy birthday to Noelle and happy birthday to Asher. We got a double kid birthday today, fantastic. But this week, it was earlier in the week, and I was getting ready, I was getting the kids ready for school. I'm just going to be honest, this is not a proud parenting moment, okay? So be ready for this. <clears throat> and every night, I diligently set out the clothes for the children on what they're going to wear the next day for school. And I know what they like, I know what they dislike, and I just, man, I put it all together. And when any of them comes to me in the morning, the day of school, and they say, oh, Dad, I don't like this, I don't want to wear this, I'm like... Don't you understand what I've done for you? I've given my time and effort. I set out the clothes. Why are, how could you be, what is your problem? Well, I set out this beautiful outfit for sweet Noel, And she came walking up to me. She's like, Dad, I don't like this dress. I was like, what do you mean you don't like the dress? The dress is perfectly fine. Last week you liked the dress. Why don't you like the dress this week? Give me the dress. And I picked up the dress and I said, maybe we'll give this dress to somebody who, who could use it. And I threw it across the room. Oh. And as I tossed it, and it was, as it was launching across the room, I was like, oh, Lord, I'm talking about giving our time and blessing and speaking to our, those in our lives. And I just, I was like, Noel, baby. I'm sorry. Daddy shouldn't have said that. I understand you don't like that dress. Sometimes we have to put things on that we don't like. And I talked with her, and she I asked her for her forgiveness, and, she and I apologized to her, and she forgave me. And she skipped off like Noelle skips off, like nothing ever happened. Right? She's like a little butterfly. And it just reminded me that parents, and all of us, in every situation at work, the words that we say, we are giving of our words. We are giving of encouragement or we are giving of curses. We are either speaking life or death over somebody. And we think of giving our time, but we are, as we give our time to our family and to our workplaces and to those around us, we have to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit because there are times where we can't do it alone. Like that morning, I think it was Tuesday morning, whenever it was. We have to build people up in the time that we have. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Spending our time thanking him. What if we took every hour at the top of the hour just thanked him for like five seconds? How about this week? Every time you look at the clock, every time you see that ticket, in your wallet or in your car, wherever you put it. You just thank him for a second. Thank you, Lord, for this hour that I have. 
Thank you, Lord, for this minute. Thank you, Lord, for this job. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for whatever it is that he tells you to be thankful for in that moment. Number three, we give our talents. What is it, how is this different than our time? Well, we give our talents. I talked a little bit about spiritual gift assessments that I know men to men were doing. But this, this talent that we have, this passion that we have, is where we serve the kingdom. Yes, we give our time, but he also wants us to give in a certain way in how he created us, in the passions that he gave us. Romans 12, 3 says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so however God has gifted you, not one gift is any better than the other. Whatever talent he has given you, that he is asking you to give of, whether you're on the worship team, or whether you serve as an usher, or whether you serve at the cafe on the communion team, or in the nursery, or wherever it is that you serve, it's not any less important than what I'm doing up here. Because what the Bible talks about is we all need to work together. Every talent that is in this church, every gifting that is in this church, we are to give out of the overflow because we want to serve him. And we all have to work together. It says, for as many, verse 4, for we, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. You're not all called to preach up here. It's just the way it is. That's okay. It says, but so we being many, verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another, which means every one of you is part of this body of Christ. And every one of you is called to give of your talent in some way, shape, or form. And I know there are seasons of life where you're a mom with small kids and you don't have a whole lot of the, I mean, you have talent to give, but it's not the right season. And that's okay. This all works together. And God, you can, still, you can still serve and have a talent by praying. There's so many ways that we can, we can be used in the church. Having then gifts differing according to the grace, this is verse 6, that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. The gifts, the talents that God has given you, let us use them. It says, if prophecy, then let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, he who leads, he who shows mercy. And the list goes on and on. Lord, help us. Show us where you want us to serve with the talents you have given us in your kingdom. And the last one, we give our testimony. We give our testimony. I'm going, to call, I'm going to end with this one because I had an opportunity last week to share my testimony with a business leader here in Erie. And what I realized is as I talked about God and what he has done in our life and leaving GE and doing all these things and all this test, his eyes were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But you know what that testimony did? It actually encouraged me. It reminded me of God's faithfulness in my own life. Yes, I was ministering to that person, and they're like, wow, that's incredible. I've never heard anything like that. Well, 
There's a lot of stories like that, let me tell you. And many of us have those stories. In fact, every one of you, every one of you, I want you to raise your hand, every one of you. Come on, everyone put their hand up. You have a testimony. You have a testimony of God's faithfulness in your life. You have a testimony that he wants you to give, that he wants you to share, that he wants you to walk around with and be at the ready to be able to share that. Revelation 12 says this, starting in verse 10. When I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Hallelujah. Jesus wins. Come on, church. Jesus wins. Verse 11. And they overcame him. They overcame the enemy. How? By the blood of the Lamb. We overcome the enemy because of Jesus. First and foremost, Jesus' blood, the blood of the Lamb, has overcome. We overcome because he overcame. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The word of our testimony. So when you're in a situation and in a trial and you're feeling that pressure and the hot water like we talked about in the beginning, all those things are coming out of us. If it's your testimony that begins to bubble out, you actually are encouraging yourself. I was done with that conversation. I was like, man, God's pretty awesome. It wasn't my intention to start. I was like, oh, I want to share with this guy the gospel. I want to share how good God is. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by, because of Jesus, and our testimony, which actually, as we say, it builds our faith. It actually builds this hope inside of us. Like, you know what? The Lord did this before. Guess what? I know he can do it again. I have a bill that I couldn't pay in the past. The Lord miraculously built it. I know, I know he will pay for it again. I've had an issue in my life, healing in my life that I needed. The Lord delivered it, and I have another issue, and I know the Lord's going to deliver me again. In fact, we got a testimony from Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we had a prayer service here, a prayer and worship service, and Josh, who's right in the back, he's got Batman shirt on, all right, he's a superhero, hallelujah. He, he had a bad medical report. He was having symptoms and signs and all these things, I'm not going to get into the medical stuff. He had issues. And we said, come to the worship. Actually, I think you guys said, I'm coming. I, we, even say, we didn't say come. You said, I am coming. And he came up front. Josh and Jess's wife and the family and the kids came up front. And we all who were here surrounded him with prayer. And we anointed him with oil. And we said, Lord, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we said, Lord, we receive your healing today. Tonight we receive your healing. And those guys stood up here for the whole rest of the worship night. There was like 20 minutes left and they were just receiving from heaven. The next day they went to get a test, an MRI I believe it was, whatever it is. Guess what? Zero. Zip. Zilch. No evidence. No indication of anything that was wrong. He hasn't been dizzy. He hasn't been having any of these symptoms. Completely gone. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Now that testimony has been entrusted to that family to now share that testimony and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Worship team, you want to come up? Verse 12 says this. 
Well, it says, and then they did not love their lives to the death. Are we willing to give our testimony, even if we might get persecuted for it? Are we willing to share the gospel message to those who are lost or unsaved, even if they think we are weird? Does it really matter, church? Does it really matter if they think we're a little strange or off? It does not matter because their soul is more important than whether or not they think we're weird. And you say, well, I don't know what to say. You have your testimony to share. That is what you say. You don't pull out the Bible and start smacking them with all the Bible verses. I mean, you could do that, but I've found it not to be very effective. I have not tried it in that way, not like the actual slamming it. But, you know, there's a point where we do the Romans road with them and you lead someone to salvation. But when we have a relationship with someone and we're beginning to share our testimony with someone, we are just planting those seeds over and over and over again. And the Lord is the one who makes it grow. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the convicting, not me, not you. Holy Spirit does the convicting. Church, there are many people that are dying every day that need to hear the gospel message. And there's plenty of people in here to be able to go out there and share it. And how do we share it? We share it by giving our testimony. So we're going to close with this, 2 Corinthians 9. Want to give me a little background music when you can. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says this. You see, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, church. When we give of our tithe, our time, our talent, and our testimony... He wants us to do it with joy. He wants to do it with joy. So we're going to close the service today the same exact way that we opened it, with the same exact song, and I want us to sing it with joy. I want to sing it with thankfulness. As you say, as you're singing the words, I want you to remember the testimony. I want you to remember the faithfulness that God has on your life. I want you, every time you look at that ticket this week, you to remember God's goodness and faithfulness to us. It says this, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Not interested in sparingly. Come on, church. I'm not interested in sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I want to give of my tithes, of my time, of my talents, of my testimony, bountifully. Because the Lord says to. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Come on, church, stand with me. God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8 says this, and God is able. Come on, church. And God is able. Come on, say it with me. God is able. He's able. We're not able. He is able. He is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency. Come on, church. If you receive that this morning, raise your hand and just receive it from heaven. All sufficiency in all things. All sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. For as it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, 
His righteousness endures forever. So, Father, we come before you closing the service the way we did in the opening, worshiping you with joy and with gladness, remembering your faithfulness to save us, to heal us, to turn our lives around. So, Lord, we close today in worshiping you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's worship him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank God, church. I thank God for everything I have, everything I am. It's all because of him. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You've never said, I, there's something missing in my life, and I know that it's Jesus. If you want to make him Lord and Savior this morning, I just encourage you to come up as the church service closes. We'll have people up here that can pray with you. If you need prayer for any other reason, it's healing, maybe prayer for agreement, a situation that you're going through, I encourage you also to come up here as people will be ready to pray for you. Now I want to say this benediction over you as you leave. As you make a decision in your heart, to give of your tithes, your time, your talents, and your testimony, that this will be what begins to happen in your life. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And so God granted him what he requested. So Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you that you are a part of our testimony. You are our testimony. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed unless you're coming up here to get prayer. Have a great week.